0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us here today in a very quiet Westminster as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I am Scott Chaloner and today I'm joined by David Antrobus. David is the chairman of David Antrobus Marketing, which is a leading UK marketing agency based in Warrington, Cheshire. Uh, David, welcome. Great to have you with us on the programme today.
1: Uh, nice to be invited thank you very much
0: absolute pleasure having you David now this podcast first and foremost is all about the topic of leadership and it's coming under the microscope so much lately with the fallout of the COVID-19 outbreak in businesses and governments trying to steer their countries and businesses through it respectively um, tell me how has it been for you as a business leader trying to navigate David Antropos marketing through this crisis over the last couple of weeks
1: uh, well it's get different uh, that we can be sure but um i think one of the the key things and that, that leaders do emerge is you know, leadership is something I'm very passionate about and, and good leaders are always caring people. Yes, they need to be firm when they need to be um, but the first and foremost, their team is the most important. Um, you know, there's, there's a well-known saying isn't there, that uh, the strength of the wolf is in the pack. Um, you know, the wolf survived for many, many years because it knows it's in the pack and uh, a true leader would always want to protect his team, his team um, help uh, that team to feel secure and so on. So so the first thing we did is we pulled all the staff together and we said, Luke, you know, uh, we're in a good position. We have set aside a contingency for such a time as this, uh, probably expecting it to be more of a financial collapse than a plague, but uh, nevertheless, we're in good order. Um, that we, we will get everybody working from home, set them up digitally. Uh, only one person will be in the office and feed them with work. So we're able to continue and able to support our clients. So just getting them to feel at ease um, and confident that there is leadership decisions are being made um, and that behind the scenes, the financial structure is being put in place to make sure that their jobs are protected uh, and so on. So I think uh, like most people, when they're relaxed and they feel that somebody's in control of it, then, you know, they, they work much better for sure
0: absolutely and being able to provide uh, staff members with that reassurance is uh, one thing but what this whole crisis has also done is it's kind of brought that sort of team mentality under the microscope that little bit more as well because it's not a one man or one woman operation being the leader of a business it's very much a team effort and being able to have a culture in place where there's self-motivation there amongst everybody everybody's able to work with cohesion that's massively important and leaders will be reaping the rewards if they have instilled that into their staff at this point won't they
1: um absolutely and i think one of the things that i see about good leaders uh, and bad leaders is they they really emerge um, at this time, you know, confident people don't need to put other people down. True leaders encourage and they inspire, and they lead by example. And they are selfless, and they encourage the whole team. Uh, you know, good leaders are always team people. They're team aware, um, and a, good, a true leader, I always feel, they want the best for you. Um, uh, they want you to be the best that you can be. They want you to have credits for your achievements, and they will always credit the, t- the team for the results. And I think to inspire. Inspire them uh, to work and to know that you have a genuine interest in them um conversely you see you I see a lot of bad leadership um you know when you see people who are over dominant and uh, over strong they rule with a rod of iron and they seem to create fear uh with the perception that fear helps people to um perform um, well, I, I think people who are that uh, aggressive with the leadership, you know, to me, I've always found those kind of people, that aggression uh, and that over dominance is a mask for a hidden flaw. And that hidden flaw is usually weakness and insecurity. Um, and so I find these overbearing people, they're usually selfish and self focused and uh, they're weak and insecure by nature. So, uh, They don't consider the whole, they consider themselves, you know, a true leader is more selfless, and I think a bad leader is very selfish. You can see that, for example, when a team is performing, you know, um, the good leader wants the best for the team, but actually the selfish and and the bad leader, he wants the best for himself. And he he will take the credit for other people's um, work and, uh, you know, um, where the good leader always wants to credit the team for what they do. So I think you can really see selflessness or selfishness as a good identifier um, of someone who's a good leader or, or a bad leader
0: absolutely right and um it i think it's that attitude which is why we see so many of the good leaders especially in sporting contexts they tend to have very very good people management skills don't they it's absolutely integral yes.
1: Yeah, it is, because a good leader can motivate, but he should be gentle, kind, and considerate and caring, um, firm when he needs to be. But when you're firm, if you're pushing an athlete or you're pushing uh, a member of your staff to be the best that they can do, that firmness is for the good of the recipient, not to wear the frustration of the the leader. Um, And it's based on confidence and strength. And as we said, we often uh, see the bad leaders creating fear, but fear creates stress and anxiety. It actually reduces performance and has an adverse effect on any team. So, you know, a high-performing team is really, you can see from from good leadership and um, and really a, a, a low-performing team. I, I often think, um, to be honest, Scott, that uh, the change in the way that we see shepherds work, you know, mm. the many years ago you found a, a shepherd, used to walk in front of the sheep uh, and the sheep followed them with confidence because they knew the shepherd would always lead them to to good grass and uh, they would sleep easy because they know that the the shepherd would protect them and even lay down his life for them and take on a wolf or whatever. Uh, And the shepherd cares for his sheep. Now these days, no disrespect to farmers, we drive the sheep from the back with dogs. Um, which is very different than walking in front calmly. Uh, and so somehow that technique's eased its way into leadership, that rather than gently and calmly leading from the front by example, there's this driving whether with aggression, and that um, it doesn't inspire me. I wouldn't expect it to in, uh, inspire my staff. Uh, people have got a, a swinging axe and fear above them. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's good. I, I think leaders need to understand the immense effect that you have on so many lives, and you should care about those lives and care about the effect that that you have, and that performance. You know, it's, it's a responsibility we shouldn't take lightly.
0: Absolutely not. And um, also, it's quite interesting that you mentioned the anecdote of the shepherd and the sheep there, and how that um, technique essentially has changed. Because if we look at the um, the latter example in a different light, of course, sort of driving from the back, as it were. Um, if we sort of take that fear element out of it, it's kind of this idea that workers do have their own sort of responsibilities and do have to take on their own forms of leadership now, don't they? There's a lot more independence and a lot more self-motivation required nowadays.
1: Uh, Very much so. I I think if um, a lot of people think, for example, leadership comes from a job title or you've got the title of manager, therefore you're a leader. But leaders are right in society, right at every level. Because I think if you have the ability to inspire and encourage those around you, by nature you're a leader. Um, uh, and that that to me is, if you can therefore encourage those uh, within your team to inspire and encourage others, then that's, you know, you can be like the working gentle dog, if you like, in the midst and and guiding everyone the right way. Um, You know, to have the right attitude, I think is, is important. I think the... You identify that good leaders do build teams, don't they? There's a bond in a good team and an understanding. One of the things that we do here, for example, we, we re- remove positions. People don't have a position, they have a function. So we run the uh, the entire business on function over position. So someone might have a function as a programmer, another as a graphic designer, another in admin, another might be the cleaner. It uh, uh, doesn't make any difference. But they understand that each one needs the other one to to function, so we have this major um, uh, focus on function, not position, and that really produces uh, a much happier team uh, where everyone is valued and everyone's encouraged because each has got a function. Um, I sometimes think with with bad leaders, and occasionally I've seen a good bond in a team that has uh, sits under a bad leader, but it's actually what joins that team is a mutual loathing for the bad leader mm. <laughs> that produces this bond in its own way, but it's not a good kind of bond, and I find it's short term um and and it brings stress, so uh, you know good leadership is so important and particularly with in the current situation.
0: It certainly is and there have been some very contrasting approaches to that and a lot of criticism for leaders for the way that they've approached the current situation as well because um, especially here in the UK and also in the United States there have been some accusations in the media of tardiness in our response that we've had procedures in place, we've had money there but in many ways we were being quite passive and not necessarily proactive. Um, As a leader yourself um, David, do you think it's better to sort of dive straight in and get on top of situations as soon as possible or is it maybe better to sort of see how things play out a bit, see how matters develop and then take action from there
1: well I personally, this is my observation one of the key things of a good leader um, as, a go, as opposed to a bad leader, a good leader first of all, he can stay calm uh, calm in emergencies, calm under pressure that's what makes an officer in the military when there's bombs going off, bullets going everywhere and everything's going belly up. he has to be the one that stays calm, he's measured, and he, a good leader has to, uh, to have the ability to make decisions. But those decisions are calculated, long-term decisions, uh, where you find the bad leader, he gets stressed, he panics, and he makes knee-jerk decisions in the heat of a moment that appears to be an instant decision without that step back and taking long term. Uh, and I think, I think we're seeing examples of good leadership, if I'm honest, for the following reasons. That good leaders listen to people. And good leaders, the first thing they do in an emergency is surround themselves by experts, mm-hmm. uh, experts in their own field. And what I see is rather than be surrounded with politicians, you know, uh, the Prime Minister has surrounded himself with experts in their own field and has taken clear advice under calculated work. Ultimately, he has to make the decisions. But but to make those decisions based on fact, on calculated long-term benefits rather than than heat of the moment. One of the things I've always noticed in life, and it was one of my early um, bosses that you know, well, he was it was a naval officer that, that inspired me, and he said, "You will see leadership under stress, and you will notice that there are two kinds of people in life: those who do, and those who criticise. The, the ones that criticise the most." you will find always do the least. And there are doers and criticizers. And what I've noticed in all of this, and I I think it's been appalling the way that some have tried to use this crisis to score political points or financial points, Mm. or they're they're trying to increase the profits, that really, to me, is the epitome of the wrong kind of, of leaders. This is a time where we should support whatever our party politics, whatever our situation, get behind the country, get behind the leadership, get behind the science and medical people, support them sort everything out afterwards. I think the very epitome of bad leadership is coming through when you can see the lights on a Downing Street on well into midnight and through the night and beyond the you know, manufacturers are working like mad, they're working twenty-four hours a day trying to get necessary equipment, while others sit on the side without that pressure, quite clearly with absolutely no understanding of how the supply chain works and just simply criticising everything that's going on. And and to me, I putting these people in categories those, those who do or those who criticize, and I think this crisis brings out the very best in leadership and the, very, and the very worst. As we're seeing, it brings the best in society where people are being kind and helpful to older people and, and volunteering. And it brings out the very worst by those who have abused nurses and, and so on, which are, is just despicable. So it separates society, and I think it separates leaders between the good um, and the bad. That's a strong opinion, I know, but it's, it's certainly mine.
0: It's a very interesting view as well, and um, there are a couple of things I do want to uh, to touch on there as well, David, because you mentioned people just essentially taking aim at those leaders in the public eye and giving them criticism when they don't really have a knowledge of how things work. But also, you mentioned the naval officer who was an inspiration to you. Now, there are a couple of points I want to take away from that, because there's a lot of criticism for those that are in the public eye. And there are lots of examples of good leaders who aren't in the public eye and can often essentially go under the radar. With both of those Mm -hmm. things in mind, do you think that leadership, good leadership especially, is as celebrated as much as it should be in this country?
1: Uh, Certainly not. Um, I think there are far too many um, companies that would see this over-aggressive, over-dominant what I call a shell or a mask of overconfidence as being a leader. And too many of those, I, I believe, get in a position of leadership um, because I don't think there's enough understanding of true leadership. I think performance and output in the nation uh, very much depends on having good leadership. And, and those people should be spotted early. And as I said, they, they, they are caring people. Uh, there are people that can stay measured um, and reflect well under pressure, uh, without actually um, panicking and going into wrong decisions, and certainly without being selfish and just considering themselves. Panic buying, for example, is is a perfect example of selfishness. Uh, if someone's a leader and he went out panic buying, then he's actually, I think, shown his character. Uh, where those who think, I'm going to take one loaf of bread and one bottle of milk because actually there could be those in society who will do without. That's considering the whole. That's actually a measured person who doesn't panic into a short-term decision, takes one step back, thinks of the community, thinks of the whole. He's a leader, whether he's a, a bin man or a road worker or a shop worker because he has got that strategic approach to caring for the whole rather than a selfish feeling, you know, feeding their own uh, thoughts. So um, that's, you know, a very strong feeling at the time, that the current stresses are there. They do show leadership. And I think it's important that companies start to recognize the immense value of, of leadership. I think the military are far better at it than uh, than in business. And I think business needs to learn a, a great deal from that Um And equally, um, those who work in in the community need to recognize good leaders too and get behind them and support them so that uh, that, that they can see that companies need to see that there is a benefit in having the right kind of leader. Um, And leading by inspiration rather than leading by fear uh, is certainly uh, the most productive business if they take on that philosophy.
0: Absolutely right. And it's just as much um, about uh, prudence as well as consideration, isn't it? Especially when looking forward to the future and with the anecdote that you gave there about buying bread in a shop.
1: Absolutely. You know, the, your heart has to go out for the prime minister at this moment in time. He could lock us all away for a year so nobody catches anything and gives the medical thing a priority. You'd come back, there will be no country, a completely devastated economy, and almost no recovery. He could give the priority totally to the economy and just say, we're just going to lose 10% of the population, but the economy will be fine. Somewhere down there, there's many shades of grey and the right opinion that ensures that we lose as least as possible whilst protecting and ensuring that when this is over, there is an economy, people do have jobs to go back to, and we can rebuild as a nation. That's a very delicate and a very fine balance. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the Prime Minister has surrounded himself with innumerable experts in the field to help him to make that finely balanced decision. The long term is when you will see that, um, uh, not the short term, and, and we will reflect back. But he has to make the decisions based on that. And everybody should be supportive uh, and helpful uh, and engaged with this, not not critical of it.
0: Absolutely. It certainly is um, a time for unison. And before we do uh, wrap things up, uh, David, I do want to look at the future and um, get an idea of what you imagine the next 12 months are going to hold for yourself for David Antropos Marketing and also what you hope to achieve in that time, particularly beyond COVID-19 as well.
1: Um, Well, I think at the the moment, one of the first things we we did, we contacted clients and we expressed to them, obviously, we were were here to help and to look at what can be shelved, what we can continue with, and let's make a a short-term strategic decision. There are some clients that felt it immediately because of the field that they're in and the sector they're working in. And we have an agreement with some of them actually continue to work Uh, with the marketing strategy free of charge for two months, and we'll review it in two months' time. And for others, they have equally been supportive. So we are trying to help as many of our clients put the profit on one side, forget that, that this is about helping one another so we all come out the other side of it, pick up the pieces, sit around the table and say, okay, we've survived, we've come through it, where do we go from here? The market will have changed. And I think many marketing strategies to penetrate the market will have to be revised and say, okay, this market's changed. This one will move again quickly. This will take some time. I just look at the sectors and just replan ahead um, how we can step by step build um, and target the right kind of business. So, depending on the sector you're in, uh, I think it's critical that people get good marketing advice at, at, uh, at that time on the recovery. But like always. Positive people. One of the the greatest things of being positive is people in the positive stay in the now. You know, today you're healthy. Today you're not starving. Today you've got a home. Today you've got these things. Look at all the positives. Look at what you have. That's today. Tomorrow's a different day. You deal with tomorrow's problems. Now you can plan for sure. Um, but just be grateful for what we have today and, and, and ensure that we stay in that good, positive mind. Because when we've got through this, and we will, the world will be before us. And I'm hopeful that society will be much better after this, that the kindness and the community help and the considering the elderly and valuing um, people in society. When we look around, what's keeping the country going now? Almost all of them are the lowest paid drivers, couriers, cleaners, shop staff, and the country all of a sudden has become reliant on the lowest paid in society. And hopefully that will do some good. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing certainly the back of COVID-19 for sure, but I'm hopeful that there'll be good leaders emerge from this and good lessons learned from society so that we can build forward with a positive attitude. Right, okay, let's rebuild. Let's work hard. Let's stick together. The strength of the wolf is in the pack. We're stronger together. Let's work together and build the country. And hopefully, I hope Parliament is listening, that the kind of shambles and and disgraceful behavior we saw over Brexit, I sincerely hope does not happen following COVID-19, that they can demonstrate leadership For the country by coming together and considering the whole and working hard together to help build the country going forward. That's good leadership. And the country will look to Parliament to see the good and the bad leaders, those who do and those who criticize, and they would do well to take note of that, because I think people are smarter than sometimes Parliament gives the people credit for.
0: Absolutely. And if we don't take those lessons away from this COVID-19 ordeal, then we will have gained absolutely nothing from it whatsoever. Um, David, I and have that to would be say, shameful, wouldn't it? It would be. It certainly would be. Um, I do have to say, David, um, today's been an absolute pleasure having you on the, uh, the programme and also incredibly insightful. And what I think would be fantastic is to actually have you back on in a few months' time just to look at this retrospectively and see how these hopes have been borne out. Thank you so much for coming on uh, the air with me today.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure. We now okay, hand over. you take care. You take care as well, David, absolutely. Um, I will now be handing over to uh, Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England cricket legend Sir Andrew Strauss, and I hope that you enjoy listening to the interview just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking to Sir Andrew.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White, and today we're joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the EC.
3: The World Cup final was quite extraordinary.
2: I know some fantastically avid cricket fans who were googling there and then what exactly the rules became because I yeah well so was <laughs> it I, was I actually, <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely. Um, now, Andrew, in your in your wife's memory, you established the Ruth Strauss Foundation last year. Uh, in doing so, whether you'd admit it or not, yourself and the foundation has become an inspiration to thousands: husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. Please do take some time, if you wouldn't mind, and you